This past week I spent uh, four days in Honduras, and uh, I would like to um, thank those of you who are supporting the youngsters at uh, San Jose Obrero. Uh, many of our parishioners here are helping uh, those children to get a decent education, and from what I saw, it's uh, really working. I mean, you are, you're giving these kids hope. Uh, there's a new pastor there at the parish, uh, and uh, Father Gerardo has cleaned things up. The place looks great. Uh, the kids are happy. They just started back to school for the, the they go from the 1st of February through November, and uh, the youngsters are very, very thankful, very uh, uh, joyful because of uh, this parish community and what you're doing for them. So thank you very much. Uh, they were feasting me, so I was taking advantage of the, you know, what you have done for them, uh, but they were very, 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 very thankful, so please know that. And uh, things are going well at uh, San Dominic Savio as well. Uh, actually, Father Juan Angel, has, uh, he had one parish, now he has six parishes. Uh, so he's been given more territory, and uh, most of that territory is very, very poor. So uh, some more opportunities for us to uh, do some outreach down there. But again, thanks to all and anything that you're doing for the youngsters and uh, for the folks in Honduras. Last week we, we heard the story of Jeremiah's call to minister, to be God's prophet amongst the people. And we also heard uh, Luke's version of the public inauguration of Jesus' ministry. And today... Isaiah of Jerusalem and Paul share their call to ministry, and then Luke tells us of Jesus' call to Simon Peter and, uh, and to Zebedee's sons, James and John. And the, the calls of these various ministers of God are, they're set before us not simply as some historical survey. Uh, they're not given to us just to remind us of notable names in our tradition of faith. But these are vocational encounters, and they're given to us to be heard as a, a little bit of an impetus, shall we say, in order for each and every one of us to reassess where we are. Now, God has called each of us into, well, life, first off, but he has called each of us to minister to God's church, to one another, to the world that we live in. But what exactly does that mean? What does it mean to minister to others? And, and what is ministry? You know, it's been um, 50 or so years ago, um, and, you know, we had a, a council. And prior to that council, when we spoke of ministry, it was understood to apply to the priests, the deacons, the bishops, and that was it. And that is still very, very much ingrained in most of us, even though a good proportion of those here were born after that council. We still think that it's the ordained's responsibility to minister to everybody. But the truth of the matter is that has changed. And, of course, 
we haven't been too much aware of this because there have been plenty of priests around and they're still taking care of everything. But I cannot do this alone. And even with Father James here, we cannot do this alone. We have two deacons. And still there is much too much work for us to be able to handle this on our own. And things are not getting any better, folks. We have many of our priests over these next five years retiring, and it's going to get very, very, very tough even to have a parochial vicar here. So it's important that everybody step it up. And ordination is but one kind of ministry. It's certainly special. It's sacramentalized. But it is everyone's responsibility. You know, for Isaiah, ministry, it meant summoning the courage to speak God's word to the people, to interpret for them God's will, and to call for those amongst whom he lived to repent, to to return to God's ways. Isaiah was the son of Amos. He was well-educated, but he felt unworthy to serve, and he was afraid of God. You know, just like most of us, I, you know my story. I ran from God for a number of years before I finally let him catch up with me. You know, for Paul, ministry meant setting aside his former convictions. You know, he was, he was persecuting the Christians. And he had to put all of that aside in order to minister amongst the people to whom he was then called, to the Christian community. Paul was born and raised in southern Turkey. Uh, he, he perceived himself to have a vocation. He travels to Jerusalem as a teenager to study. You know, he wanted to do everything himself. And he becomes convinced of his own righteousness. But God changed him. Simon Peter, James, and John. You know, for them, ministry meant doing three things. Number one, doing as Jesus asked, even when it seemed illogical. Secondly, ad admitting their sinfulness. And thirdly, overcoming their fears so that they could become who Jesus asked them to be, to be fishers of men, fishers of people. And what we see today is God's real call to each of them to be ministers, and we hear about their response. And we can see how initially they all feared God. And perhaps believing in themselves more than in God. And each and every one of them was frightened. They were scared to death. You know, Lord, why are you asking me to do this? I, I'm not worthy. I don't have the skills that you think I do. Just like we are. We're frightened. We feel unworthy. Not good enough to serve God or, or God's church. You know, we don't want to get too close to God because it, it means the experience might be too life-changing. 
we might have to turn into a different kind of person. You know, look how people avoid getting involved in the parish. Avoid getting involved in you know, some Bible study or group that might help you to live your life not just more faithfully but more fully. You know, share your faith. That's a ministry. Let other people know that this makes a difference in your lives. You know, that your faith is, is changing your life. I would like to go a little bit off of what I might normally do here because I want to read the beginnings of a letter. And this letter is addressed to men. And it is a letter that is titled, Into the Breach. And it was just published by the Bishop of Phoenix, Thomas Olmsted. And he has very important things to say to men because he feels that many of the problems in our church today are because men are not living the life they're called to live. So when I use the word Phoenix here, put Cincinnati in your head. So he begins with a call to battle. And he says, I begin this letter with a clarion call and clear charge to you, my sons and brothers in Christ. Men, he says, do not hesitate to engage in the battle that is going on around you. The battle that is wounding our children and families. The battle that is distorting the dignity of both women and men. This battle is often hidden, but the battle is real. It is primarily spiritual, but it is progressively killing the remaining Christian ethos in our society and culture, and even in our own homes. He says, the world is under attack by Satan, as our Lord said it would be in 1 Peter. And this battle is occurring in the church herself, and the devastation is all too evident. Since A.D. 2000, 14 million Catholics have left the faith. Parish religious education of children has dropped by 24%. Catholic school attendance has dropped by 19%. Infant baptism has dropped by 28%. Adult baptism has dropped by 31%. And sacramental Catholic marriages have dropped by 41%. This is a serious breach, a gaping hole in Christ's battle lines. And while the Diocese of Phoenix has fared better than those national statistics, the losses are staggering. One of the key reasons that the church is faltering under the attacks of Satan is that many Catholic men have not been willing to step into the breach, to fill this gap that lies open and vulnerable to further attack. A large number have left the faith, and many who remain Catholic practice the faith timidly and are only minimally committed to passing the faith on to their children. Recent research shows that large numbers of young Catholic men are leaving the faith to become nuns, men who have no religious affiliation. 
The growing losses of young Catholic men will have a devastating impact on the church in America in the coming decades as older men pass away and young men fail to remain and marry in the church, accelerating the losses that have already occurred. He says, these facts are devastating as our fathers and brothers and uncles and sons and friends fall away from the church they fall deeper and deeper into sin, breaking their bonds with God and leaving them vulnerable to the fires of hell. While we know that Christ welcomes back every repentant sinner, the truth is that large numbers of Catholic men are failing to keep the promises they made at their children's baptisms, promises to bring them to Christ and to raise them in the faith of the church. And this crisis is evident in the discouragement and the disengagement of Catholic men like you and me. In fact, this is precisely why I believe this exhortation is needed. And it is also the reason for my hope. For God constantly overcomes evil with good. The joy of the gospel is stronger than the sadness wrought by sin. A throwaway culture cannot withstand the new life and light that constantly radiates from Christ. So I call upon you to open your minds and your hearts to him, the Savior who strengthens you to step into the breach. Step into the breach. Wake up. Live the life of ministry that Jesus Christ has called you into. And ladies, you as well. Witness to the faith that is the truth. The faith that overcomes sin in this world. The world is in trouble. This nation is in grave danger. And we, if we live our faith, can change that. It's been done before. This bishop knows, I know, it can be done again. This document goes on. It is 23 pages long. If you would like to see it, email me and I will send it to you. And, and I hope that you do. It's, it's valuable. Answer that call that God places in each of our hearts to minister to one another. Here, in your neighborhood and in your workplace. Do not be afraid. The gospel says that in many places. Do not be afraid. Our late Holy Father, now Saint John Paul II, used to remind us constantly, do not be afraid. If we are afraid, the world is a far worse place. We must we must not be afraid. We must answer the call. We must help others to know the love of Jesus Christ.